What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Red of Troy Radio, episode 463. Coming to you on Monday, November 20th. We're going to look back at USC's wild win over the UCLA Bruins, 48-45 at the Rose Bowl. Take your questions and so much more. As always, feel free to follow us on social media. We're at Rain of Troy on Twitter and Facebook. You can, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Our email address is randomtroy at fansire.com. I'm your host, Michael Castillo. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelCastFS. And, of course, I'm joined along with my co-host, Penguin of Troy on Twitter, Elisa Daratola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back. Super excited to be back. Uh, first time doing this. And it is a podcast remotely. We are remote. You join us on YouTube. Uh, you are joining us for the first time here. Uh, not from our, you know, Radio Troy studio in Los Angeles. We're on the road. Uh, we're in Washington State. Uh, we we have driven through Oregon today. We drove through California yesterday. We are here um, getting some preemptive scouting today. We we uh, we hung out in in Eugene for a little bit. Uh, watched the uh, the U.S. Wales game. Uh, big ups to uh, Team USA for dropping a couple points to Wales. When it looks like they had it wrapped up, but we'll talk about that a late, uh, another day. This is not a soccer podcast, of course. Uh, as always, um, if you're joining us here on YouTube, be sure to like this, the the video and subscribe. And let's get right into the news. We got to start with the polls. USC now ranked fifth in the AP poll and coaches poll. The Trojans are the highest-ranked team with any losses. That wasn't the case before. Of course, LSU was ahead of the Trojans last week. No longer the case. The Trojans are fifth. Only teams above them, all undefeated Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and TCU. TCU survives. Michigan survives. Ohio State survives. Uh, Georgia wins by 10-16-6 over Kentucky. All of those teams had a tough go over the weekend, but they all win. And there is SC, uh, now currently behind Ohio State and Michigan. But one of them's got to lose. SC's in a good spot to sort of win and they're in. Uh, you would assume that if SC wins and they're in, they're going to be in over uh, the one-loss uh, champ. Of, I mean, sorry, the one-loss non-Big Ten champ, which is going to be whoever loses the game uh, on on Sunday because or on Saturday because Tennessee lost. The other USC coming through South Carolina and uh, doing SC a huge favor. Yeah. And, and this is the thing is that when we talked about a couple of weeks ago, what USC would need to do to get into the college football playoff, I felt all along it was winning you're in because stuff happens at the end of the season and uh, you have teams lose and knock themselves out and, and everybody else in front of USC will have the opportunity to be knocked out too. Michigan's going to potentially get knocked out. Ohio State's going to potentially get knocked out. LSU or Georgia is going to have stuff happen in the SEC title game. So USC is in a really, really good spot right now um, in terms of national rankings, in terms of analytics, in terms of strength of schedule is starting to look really good. Uh, and so, yeah, you if you're USC and you have playoff aspirations, you are right where you need to be. Yeah, f- for sure, 100%. Um, the, tr- the Trojans are in a spot where uh, when and you're in, um, didn't think that we we would be sitting here talking about USC like that at, at some point in the season, but that's where they are. Um, the interesting thing for me is you look at the analytics and the numbers have the Trojans 14th, all of them in lockstep, SP Plus, FEI, Jeff Sagarin, ESPN's FPI. 
I don't like to talk about ESPN's FBI, but when they're 14th too, it's a little funny <laughs> that everyone is the same. And for me, this sort of echoes the the idea that anecdotally, I don't think this USC team is what we picture when we picture a playoff team. We don't picture a team that gives up 45 points to UCLA. We don't picture a team that gave up 43 points to Utah, right? At the same time, when you look at the landscape of college football, um, nobody's perfect, right? And mm-hmm. yeah, they, they might be 14th by the numbers, and that tells you that you know that SC could be much better than than they are at times. I mean, they did leave a lot of points on the on the field against UCLA, but at the end of the day, they keep getting the job done and keep winning. If they keep doing that, they're going to be uh, in the playoff. I think for me, the interesting thing is, at least, is there any chance you think? SC wins. SC beats Notre Dame. Presumably they beat Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game. TCU finishes off their season with a win over Iowa State, then goes to the Big 12 championship game, beats Kansas State again. Is there any chance SC jumps TCU to finish third? That would be quite the call for the playoff committee, wouldn't it? Because in that scenario, TCU is still an undefeated conference champion. And I think that there are strength of schedule situations that you could certainly make the argument for USC. But I would wager that the one loss results in USC being fourth. I don't think it's impossible, but I'd wager. I I think it's a very niche scenario where USC blows out Notre Dame, blows out Oregon, and TCU struggles in their last few games. I I keep going to the thought of, yeah, the college football committee, college football playoff committee, tends to kind of sort by the the fewest losses goes at the top. Yeah. The difference being in 2014, Florida State was the only undefeated team. They were the third seed behind one loss Alabama, one loss Oregon. Isn't there a world in which that happens again? Because I think that it's very possible. The the college football playoff committee talks about wins more than anything. SC would have beaten several ranked teams at that point. Oregon, Notre Dame, UCLA, Oregon State. TCU, as it stands right now, has one ranked win. If they go 13-0, and 0, they have two ranked wins, and it's over the same team, Kansas State, presumably, assuming that they're their opponent in the in the Big 12 championship game. I I you know, and SC's only one loss is is to a Utah team who's gonna be in the top 20 by a point on a two-point conversion at the end of the game. Like, I think there's a chance. And the reason I bring this up is I, I I've talked about it before that earlier on in the season I thought that. Ohio State and and Georgia were playing a different sport. And I I sort of believe that still, um, but more so about Georgia than Ohio State. I think Ohio State, and I think there's a world in which SC gives Ohio State some sort of game. I don't think that's true with Georgia. I think SC playing Georgia again would just be like a redux of the Georgia-Tennessee game. And mind you, that's fine in year one. Uh, under Lincoln Riley, when SC has, you know, coming off of a four and eight season and all that stuff, just getting to the playoff would be so enormous of a win for SC. It doesn't matter what happens in the playoff. At the same time, SC playing Ohio State could be like a crazy fun game. Yeah, as opposed to SC yes. playing Georgia. Yeah. yeah, and I think if you're, you're SC, you just want to avoid Georgia. If you can get up to number three in Ohio State's two, there's a chance. There's a chance, especially if that game's at like, you know, I don't know. There, there's a chance there. Am I think, crazy? I, no, I think you're right that like USC's best case scenario is to avoid Georgia, whether that means Ohio State at number one and USC at number four or Ohio State at number two and USC managing to get ahead of TCU at number three. I think that's definitely the best case scenario. Um, I have a hard time penciling any of that in at this point sure and I, I, we don't even know if it's ohio state that's going to be there we we don't well, know yeah, if it could be michigan, if it's yeah. michigan um i think we know that george is going to be lsu but crazier things have happened if it's michigan if it's michigan you really want michigan that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying that's, that's what i'm saying yeah 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, but you know, with, with, without but uh, without quorum. Yeah, absolutely. That's but then what again, you want. Michigan without quorum beating you know well, Ohio State potentially. But Mi- Michigan without quorum, uh, with I think if you're talking to quarterback play, Stroud is a much more dangerous quarterback than JJ McCarthy. For sure, for sure. I think your just chances against Michigan are are just better. But also, we're, we're getting way ahead. We're of getting ourselves extremely at, ahead at, of at ourselves. This point. But you know what? USC beat UCLA on Saturday, and so we get to be on a high. We get to talk about all of the great things that are possible because USC beat UCLA on Saturday and they run LA. They have the victory bell. They're in the PAC 12 title game and it's full steam ahead. It's, it's all good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he says, you really want TCU, right? I mean, absolutely. Yes. No, yes. College football, college football should want TCU and USC to meet like that game would be entertaining as all hell. Is that what you want? Should it be, Instead of a bracket, should the playoff be a... Like, what's the best matchup? <laughs> no, should it be about stages? Is Georgia just the final boss? You, <laughs> you just put Georgia at the end, and SC has to beat TCU. And then the winner of that one has to beat Ohio State. State. Yeah. <laughs> the winner of that game has to beat Georgia. That would be fun. That would be fun. Yeah. There you go. Uh, all right. Um, other news to talk about Jordan Addison, of course, the Blitnikoff winner from a year ago uh, is a semifinalist. Again, this was just announced uh, today on Monday. 51 catches, 765 yards, uh, eight touchdowns, including a long touchdown pass uh, reception that he had uh, against the Bruins on Saturday. Um, he doesn't have the numbers of Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee or Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. Don't think he's going to win it. Don't think he's going to be a finalist, but good for SC to have someone there. I think SC, we, I think we all agree that SC has an elite receiving core. I don't think this year there's been a guy who's worthy of the Bolitnikov because Keller Williams has been able to distribute all over, and that's a good thing. That's not, nothing wrong with that. It doesn't help that Jordan Addison has, has missed, he missed a couple, of games, uh, yeah. a couple of games, so his stats are were never going to hold up against guys uh, the other guys because – he was out and, and, you know, he came back for the Colorado game, but it's not like he was ever going to to put up crazy numbers in that game coming off of the injury, being on a pitch count and all of that kind of stuff. So, right. no, I, I think that he's had an exceptional season. I think that just his performance against UCLA was proof that, like, yes, this is a Belenikoff Award winner quality uh, receiver. And while his numbers aren't going to hold up for a variety of reasons, the the – you know, biggest of which is that injury. He's still that caliber of receiver. He deserves to be involved in the semifinalist and maybe even the finalist discussion. Uh, but I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be able to win it. Uh, and that's just because of circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. We, we will, we will see what comes of the Litnikov going forward. Uh, him being a winner before um, could help him. Who knows? Maybe he, he com- continues to go off. He had 170 something yards against UCLA. He does that again against Notre Dame. A, <laughs> I don't know. He, he, he could he could get in there. Um, we know that the voters are definitely prisoners of the moment. And speaking of, let's talk about Caleb Williams and his Heisman campaign. SC has launched it. Heisman.com spelled he thirteen man spelling Heisman <laughs> of course. Uh, Heisman ranking roundups Just never fails. <laughs> are remember the believe with the seven the in believe it for, with the seven for, for Matt Barkley? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a little I think, bit of an homage. To I that. think there it's a little bit of a, a, a an unfortunate homage to the believe with the seven. I think it's clunkier than the believe with the seven. I just want to read it as He Man with it's, thirteen. It looks it. like He Man with the thirteen in the middle is exactly what it looks like. I get what they're doing. I I get it. It's yeah. but it just makes me laugh every time I see it. I'm sorry. Well, uh, Scott Rogers from Fanside.com is Caleb Williams is number one. My colleague. Uh, the the New York Post has him as number one as well over CJ Stroud of Ohio State. The USA Today overreaction says Caleb Williams just won the Heisman with the win over UCLA. Uh, in terms of the odds, take this for what they are. I, I never necessarily care for the, the betting odds on Heisman stuff from like the uh, the offshore stuff, but, but online.ag for what it's worth. Uh, has Caleb Williams as the best odds to win the Heisman. DraftKings has C.J. Stroud at uh, minus 125 and Caleb Williams at plus 130, whatever that means. Never know what those, those numbers mean. 
I don't get it. Uh, the I'm person, the person with the minus is the one that's the the lead, and the 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 people with the lowest number pluses are then the most likely. So just sure. run with it. DraftKings, FanDuel, all of those have Cedar Shroud as the Heisman favorite in the odds right now. And Caleb Williams. Prop 27 is- failed. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, haven't, I haven't needed to catch to, up on to this thing. catch up thing. Yeah. Uh, suffice it to say, Caleb Williams is a firm number two. In fact, the, the Heisman odds that I was looking at uh, for getting ready for this, it seemed to me reading the odds that it was very much uh, Stroud and Williams and nobody else, um, uh, which I was a little bit surprised about. But that's also a function of quarter. This is why odds aren't a great way to value these because quarterbacks are always going to get higher odds than like the running back, like Blake Corum, um, who's coming off an injury. So we don't know where he's going to be at, but uh, Caleb Williams is very, very much in the Heisman discussion. The performance he put in against UCLA has to me pretty much set him on track to go to New York. And um, it's going to be very interesting this coming Saturday because Caleb has a really good opportunity to stamp his name on that award. Yeah. The only thing that stops him stamping his name on that award is CJ Stroud going off against Michigan, which is certainly possible, certainly possible. Yeah. But uh, that's something that is out of Caleb Williams's control. What he can do is against a Notre Dame defense that seems to have a pulse um, to, to go off and put up big numbers as well. Yeah, we, we did get a message, by the way, after the car cast um, from the cultural bros who said, amazing job as always. What a game. Uh, also, just an FYI, the Heisman changed the rules last year. They now invite exactly four finalists every season. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys, by the way. Love your show, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad uh, to, to, that you popped in with this because I always find it confusing. Yeah, and I'm glad that the Heisman is just sticking to it. Yeah. Pick four dudes. I yeah. think that works. I think it's pretty clear that Caleb Williams will be among those four dudes at this point. Yeah. Hennon uh, Hooker um, He's unfortunately got hurt. Um, I think it's a shame if that affects his status but given how finicky these things are and given that that tennessee did lose to south carolina i feel like that will ultimately affect uh his status on these these things as well so yeah we'll we'll see we'll see what happens with the heisman going forward of course sc needs big games out of caleb williams going forward uh for that to still be a reality and he's got to do that the ucla game was not the end of the end of the road sc's got two huge games coming up uh, Notre Dame on Saturday and Oregon the following Friday um, in order to continue moving forward. Um, that's going to wrap it up for the news. Um, I, I wanted to get your thoughts, Alicia. It's been a couple days removed from the UCLA game, the Trojans winning 48-45. Any new thoughts? What a win. I mean, it was a huge win, and I think that uh, as Sunday progressed and you got to see a lot of the reaction videos that we saw from from the field, um, you could see how much it meant to Lincoln Riley, to Caleb Williams, to, um, to, to pretty much everybody on that team. I think something that we didn't bring up on Saturday was what a moment that was for Bobby Haskins who transferred from Virginia, who was playing for his former teammates who were tragically killed um, in that, in that shooting over at the university of Virginia. Um, We had friends in the stands who were telling us that there was a huge crowd of Bobby Haskins supporters uh, at the Rose bowl. And um, I don't know if that was planned. Like, I don't know if they had intended to come to the USC UCLA game the entire time but it was really, really cool to see that they were able to be there supporting him, cheering him on, starting, you know, Haskins chants and, and everything like that. And to see his reaction after the game, clearly very emotional. So wanted to point that out too, that that was a, a another sort of moment from this game that lifted it up beyond just the sort of football game. But when it comes down to it, um, that was a huge game for USC to make a statement in. And Caleb Williams absolutely made a statement with his performance and USC continued to show their resilience. And that's something that we've talked about this season, that this team has had a lot of resilience. And I think that we need to continue to highlight uh, what they have been able to achieve going 10-1 and one so far, set up for a Pac-12 title uh, clash. And, um, you know, it's not always pretty with this team. The, you know, 
The reason we talk about whether or not USC is a playoff team is because it's not always pretty. But the thing that we know is that they have a belief and a swagger and a, a resilience to them that I think you don't always see from football teams. Certainly haven't seen that from, from USC teams in, in a while. And, uh, and, and, and that's really, really cool to see them step up in a rivalry game like that. Um, so the, the further away we get from it, the more excited I am about it because it was a win that answered a lot of questions in terms yeah. of what this team can accomplish. Yes. Uh, I am going to sort of now jump in with, uh, be the negative one. Uh, oh, no, no, not, not the negative one. More so just, just looking back on it, SC, like I told you before, SC allowed 45 points. And yet, honestly, that's the most, I, I feel more confident about USC's defense than I have in two months, which is, you know, at least, or at least a month and a half or whatever. That feels crazy. Yeah. Um, and to me, it's a testament of DTR commits four turnovers. SC wins by three points. Incredible. And that's where, if you are going to be the team that ends up getting to the playoff and you want to beat an Ohio State or a Georgia, or you want to be competitive against those teams, you can't do that. Hmm. You, you, you cannot force four turnovers and only win by a field goal. SC left so many points on the board early on in the game that, you know, we talked about how important it was for to get separation early in the third quarter to go up 10. And that was huge. It was huge for SC, huge on defense to, to be able to go up by 10 points, allow the offense to then trade touchdowns, trade touchdowns in the third and fourth quarter, and you can survive. But the problem is, they should have had that separation in the first quarter. Yeah. SC goes down 14, nothing in this game, a game they should have led 14, nothing easily. Yeah. And, and they didn't finish off their drives early on. Um, I, I'm not going to bag too much on, on Dennis Lynch about the kicks. He he did hit the hard one. He went to a four. I, because if he was making the field goals, I'd still be saying that they needed to finish off those drives to not settle for field goals. Yeah. So if, you know, SC's offense is the, the banner carrier and is incredible. They're number two in SP plus, number three in FEI. This is the best offense that we've seen at USC since 2005. Mm -hmm. Having said that, you know, you need to maximize that. And they absolutely could have put that game away done and dusted super early on to the point where when they have the separation or, you know, in the middle eight and all that stuff that could have just further emphasized how much of a, of, of a runaway that game could have been. You can't commit four turnovers and still win by just three points. You commit four turnovers. You need to bury a team by 20, especially a game in which SC had a million opportunities early on in the game. So if they want to be serious about being a playoff team and winning a game in the playoff, you got to correct that. That said, in terms of year one and where everything is big picture in the Lincoln Riley era, I think everything is just absolutely hunky dory fine. But if you're if you're looking at yourself as a playoff team and as a playoff candidate, then you gotta you gotta dot your eyes, cross your T's, and take care of the little things. Well, and and this is why I've continued to beat the drum that I I don't know that this team is ready for the playoff. That doesn't mean that they won't deserve the playoff um, if if they win their next two games. But uh, the reason I keep saying that I don't know that they're ready for it is because of that sloppiness, because of that. In a game where USC scored 48 points and Caleb Williams had arguably the greatest individual performance that a, a USC player has ever had against UCLA, they left 21 points on the board, like easily. Yeah. They could have scored 70. So like, like well, that, it's incredible. That's to think, the crazy part. It's incredible to think about the ceiling potential that this team has. Yeah. And I think that um, the, the fun thing here is that it's year one under Lincoln Riley. They're still figuring out little things on offense that are still like 
this isn't the finished article. And when this team gets to be the finished article on offense, it is going to be scary as all hell. Yeah. Well, the other side of it is, you know, if I'm going to ask for the maximum out of the offense, then I should also be saying that, you know, defensively, you force four turnovers. You also need to be forcing some some stops in there. Yeah. As you didn't force stops in this game, it was turnover bust uh, defensively, and you can you can get away with it when you have an offense like SC does, and you can get away with it when you turn over turn them over four times, not just once. But uh, yeah, the difference between SC winning a national championship and having a great season is paying those off. SC could have been twenty points better on both sides of the ball and won this game by twenty three. Yeah, yeah, and and that and those are the things that uh, it's your one things, right? I think that the, these yeah. are exactly the kind of things the defense has to get a lot better. Um, if they don't get better, then we're going to continue to have these conversations. The offense, I still think, is going to get better as as Lincoln yeah, I think so puts too. A stamp on it. So you're in you're in an incredible spot for year one of the Lincoln Riley era, and you know I, I saw somebody in in the. Uh, in the chat saying like we should be happy i think the cigar yeah, I, uh, I i i think you have to be happy for sure like yeah, you have like, to be th- th- you this is UCLA. you just got the uh you just got the victory bell you just yeah i mean watching videos of lincoln riley and those players right. with the victory bell in the locker room ringing that thing to death like yeah malcolm how- says accept the team for what it is yeah 100 percent. yeah this, i think you do accept is. the team for what it is and that's to me that's why i'm not bagging on the defense and that's yeah. what that i mean to that, that's why I'm sitting here saying that they give up 45 points. And I feel good about them. And I feel good about them, right? Is because I do accept what this team is. Yeah. Um, and in, in accepting this, what this team is, I, you know, there's a, there's a lot of me that thinks that seeing SC do what they did against UCLA, even if they needed the Corey Foreman interception at the end, so much of that validated a lot of my concerns. And it, it validated any concern I have about SC going forward, um, not to say that I think it's guaranteed that they're going to beat Notre Dame and Oregon. I certainly don't think that. I think they absolutely could blo- could drop either, if not both of those games. Mm-hmm. But I think that any hesitation I had over SC being competitive against a, you know, upper echelon team in terms of like a ranked team, uh, given the struggles of the Arizona game and the Cal game, completely gone. Yeah. Oh, this team is competitive. And and this is why, you know, we keep talking about the playoff and and there's like I don't know if I'm any of those playoff teams that I'm looking at USC and thinking like, yeah, that's the matchup I want. Like I think you I think certainly yeah. opposing fans and, and stuff will look at the defense and go like, well, it's you know gonna expose that defense. Yeah, but, but like but everyone's gonna talk I'd about also, Caleb Williams. I'd too. also look at it and just go like I don't wanna have to deal with Caleb Williams. I don't wanna right. have to deal with that offense. And that's an incredible place to be in and that's an incredible that sort of takes some of the stress. I was really stressed in the UCLA game. I was I was losing it, right? And watching them persevere and, and win kind of takes some of the stress that I think I have for the rest of the season away in the sense that like, we know this team can compete against a ranked team against a, a good ranked team. Now we know that yeah. they can, they can win a close game at the end. We know that they can, they can um, overcome uh, difficulties and, and get the job done. Yeah. And that answers, answers a certain question for me, but also it's like, yeah, USC could just cause havoc. USC could 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 wreck some havoc against any team that they played right now. And it sort of gives you the it's like playing with house money. Like if USC got to the playoff, they yeah, would, the, for for sure. That's, they would be the Maryland against the Ohio State, the, the Ohio State this past weekend, where it's like, yeah, just go for it. Cause you're playing with house money and right. you're trying to pull off an upset and just like run with it. And like it's cool to have USC in that situation uh right now where we're Lincoln Riley has already achieved more than I expected him to to achieve in year one. Yeah. So go for the last few games of this season and just play for the fun of it, play for the chaos, play for whatever it is possible that you can get. And, um, you know, that's kind of a, that's a cool spot to be in. I I, I didn't think we'd be in this spot. Yeah. SC is in, in the position to, you know, 
just, just like Hector in the in the chats, just to enjoy every minute minute of it. It's uh, it's been a wild ride, and we'll see how much of a wild ride it continues to be. Um, let's get to some over under. Look at the over under. Wait, did did you want to cut this? No, we're no no. You, you didn't want to cut the segment. Uh uh-uh, uh no the the uh, the over under for once is something no, that I, is no I think we should cut this essential. I didn't know. No, no I thought we, we agreed before. No, 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 no. I think I think the fans want to see over under. I think the fans want to see. Uh, no, what no. The I, I think I think we should of cut this over under. I, I honestly, yeah. no, nobody, nobody wants to hear us talk about over under. Oh, I think they do. I think they. Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. All right. Um... Let's get to over under um, <laughs> for the season over under. I came into it with uh, 38 over under wins. You had 32. Your first over under Alicia was over under at 125 receiving yards for Jake Bobo. He had a season high 142 against Washington, but only one other 100 yard game uh, was 101 against Oregon. And I took the over. I believed in old Bobo. You did. You did. You watched enough Dalton Kincaid to know what could happen if... uh, It was under 76 on four catches. 76 on four catches. This is what's incredible. We're going to go through these over-unders, and a lot of the over-unders had to do with, or a few of them had to do with, like, UCLA's offense going off. It's weird that they scored 45 points, and yet, (laughs) like... Jake Bobo wasn't necessarily like the driving force behind it. Or 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 the next one. Or the my, next one. My first over under, which is 173 and a half. Zach Charbonnet rushing yards. He had averaged 157 and a half against ranked teams. His last two games were 198 against Stanford, 181 against Arizona. I thought the line was reasonable. 173 and a half. You of course <laughs> took the under, and it was basically half that. 95 yards on 19 carries. 
But get this. The lowest yards per carry of the season. For Zach Charbonnet. It snaps his streak of eight straight 100-yard rushing games against Power 5 opponents. And he lost 10. This is this is from a tweet from Antonio Morales. He lost 10 yards against SC on 19 carries. He had lost just eight yards on 152 going in. Easily his worst game of the year, SC gave it to him. Would you, would you have expected that going in? No. No. no I That's why I feel good about this defense. I wouldn't have expected it. Even during the game, it felt like, well, there goes Charbonnet. But, like, it, I guess it just didn't happen that often. They they kept a lid on him better than pretty much anyone else this season has kept a lid on him. Yeah. And that is, again, one of those things where this defense is so hard to describe because – they are so vulnerable in so many different ways, but like they were the ones that shut down Zach Charbonnet. Yeah. They were the ones that, that kept Jake Boba from going off. Like, I, I mean, I mean the other person to blame for this is, is Chip Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Chip Kelly could have gone to Zach Charbonnet a little bit more, but he had 19, like okay. yeah, 19 carries. We, he didn't have 12. When, when yeah. we talk about Lincoln Riley, not going to Travis die enough, he had like 14 carries or 12 carries. Right. Like, Zach Charbonnet had 19 carries. Like, it's crazy yes. that they kept him under 100 yards. Yes. Uh, which, big enough, let's go to the next line. 14 and a half rushes for Austin Jones was your line. I took the under, thinking, you know, he's going to be splitting carries. Also, it's not like Travis Dye had way more than that all the time anyways. It was nope. way over. Way over. 21 for 121 and two yards, uh, two touchdowns. So I liked ta- I liked getting the over on this one because I had a feeling that the way we saw Travis die, he was the central back and USC just sort of stuck with him and would occasionally use others, but mostly it was it was sort of a featured back offense. And um, what I wasn't expecting is Austin Jones to not only get more than those 15 carries, more than those 14 carries, but to make the absolute most of them the whole way through, like yeah. 120 yards, two touchdowns, and the way he was running, like he was just running with confidence and 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 um, clarity, and it was like he had been the starter the whole damn time. Like yeah. what a performance from it, him! It was the Austin Jones we saw against Fresno State. Yeah, which was really good, Austin Jones, which was and not then, what we had seen for the rest of the season. No, after that, I, I I thought he sort of lost confidence. I thought he was running away from holes. I, it, it wasn't just that Travis Dye had been the starter; it's that when Austin Jones was in there, he never looked comfortable for me. Yeah, and he looked comfortable in the second half of the Colorado game, and he looked comfortable against UCLA. So, whatever it is, uh, you wanted to keep moving. Mm-hmm. Um, Next line was 90 and a half over under 90 and a half for leak Brown yards from scrimmage. You took the under on that locks me into the over and it was way under 38 yards on six touches. Which, yeah, it was just, um, it was just me believing that Austin Jones would still be the primary back and that really we'd see a little bit of relief, but not like he wouldn't suddenly be splitting carries with Austin Jones. Yeah. What's crazy is that like relief only got 38 yards but i thought he had a well he had a good game bar the two freshman moments or the just mistakes the 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 third right. down play where he went backwards which he needs to learn just not to do that ever again and then the uh the kickoff um that he muffed that uh, put usc in a in a long field that obviously you don't want to see but like what i thought was most impressive about him he was running between the tackles really well and I think that's yeah. a really good sign for the rest of his career. So I think that um, this wasn't obviously his breakout performance, but I think this was a a performance that he can, number one, learn from in terms of the mistake, but also grow from this kind of thing, prove that, you know, people don't see him as a potential you know, every down back. Well, you know, I, I think that you can't rule that out yet as a possibility uh, going forward, just the way he was running between the tackles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's talk about the best line of the of, of the show. Uh, the, the one that I was so angry of in the moment, I was just... I thought it was great. I thought, personally, I thought it was wonderful. No. Uh, over over under two and a half total punts. You took the... Sorry, I took the over. I You got locked into the under. It was over. It was three. 
And and it was at two for a long time. Yeah. It, Un- it was two early on in the game. Uh, and then it became three uh, in, the, in the dying minutes of the game. Uh, SC needing to punt after the 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 uh, miscue by Caleb Williams, followed by a sack on SC's final real drive, um, and needing to punt there. That and sack. it's the it's the three. Okay, so that sack annoyed me so much because, like, I don't maybe USC punts even without the sack, but like that sack just was like no, like it wasn't even just about. USC had a chance to lose the game. Like internally, I was screaming because I knew that this over/under was in play. <laughs> so dumb. I, I I I needed it. I needed it. Uh, last one. I set a line at one point seven five over/under one point seven five. Two lead, two below two tackles for loss. Uh, I said that if he was a factor, it would be a big thing for SC. He was a factor, but you took the under. I took the over and it was under just a bit, one and a half. Yeah, I mean, it was a good line here, too. Um, I thought Thule had a good game. He was impactful. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of times defensive linemen don't have to have the big sacks to still, I mean, the big plays, the big stat numbers to be impactful. So I think this was a, a really good performance from Thule, yeah. uh, just not uh, not with the tackles for loss. I, I'm glad I put it at 1.75 and not 1.25, which I originally wrote in. Mm. Changed it to 1.75. Uh, good you're, you're, on me. You're glad you you would have had it. Yes, uh, because you're of course for, for, for the week we can just skip that part. Um, because you went five and one and I went one and five. Um, and for the season I now have 39 uh, over under wins. You're right behind me with 37. The comeback is on, man. It is. Uh, big shout out to our good, our good pal, our good friend, L.A. Fred. Well, hell of a week. For the him. only rotten bot to go a perfect six and oh, he didn't fall for the punt thing. Nope. He didn't fall for it. He, he should have listened to. He didn't fall for the Bobo or Charbonnet yards. Mm-hmm. He didn't fall. for. Okay. okay. We don't have to keep going over it. <laughs> we know. We know. Uh, season leaders, the uh, the top nine. Here are the top nine, folks, uh, for the Rotbots. Tied with seven, tied, tied in seventh place with forty six over under wins. Cali Cat, G Young, O eight, and Stephen Chad. In sixth place with forty seven over under wins, Jay Vandy. Tied for third, L A Fred fresh off his perfect week. Carrie from Chicago and Randy from Redlands, all with 48. In second place, continuing at number two, Moose Pants. Great name, by the way. 49 over under wins. And Ryan from Arizona, still in first place with a two-point lead. Two over under wins ahead with 51. He's uh, He's holding 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 steady. Yeah. Yep. Uh, game predictions, Bill Connolly's numbers, of course, SC losing 34-35 um, didn't work out. Uh, SC ends up winning, of course. Uh, Vegas had SC as one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, as of us recording last last week, SC covered by winning by three. You predicted a 65-62 win for the Trojans. I predicted a 52-48 win. I was closer, but you had the exact margin of victory at three. Yeah, um, it could have been 65, 62 very easily the way that these two uh, these two offenses were playing. But uh, yeah, I mean, we said it was an evenly matched game and the result of the game, it came down to the final drive. It came down to three points. It was an evenly matched game. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, all right, let's get into the mailbag. Start with an email we got from Hector. You want to read it? Yeah, so Hector says, hey guys, this entire season has obviously felt like a statement in terms of culture and growth in the USC program. Maybe I'm getting caught up in the fact that Saturday night was one of the most fun moments I've had at a USC game ever, but I wanted to share this moment that felt like a cool poetic statement about how much the culture has changed. I was in the visiting student section in 2018. The game was close down the stretch and the Rose Bowl played Mo Bamba, which had the USC sideline jumping up and down, going crazy instead of focusing on the sidelines. If I remember correctly, someone on uscfootball.com shared the video uh, on Twitter and USC fans were irate. 
This week, they played Mobamba after the Corey Foreman game-sealing pick, and the sideline was just as it lit as it was in 2018, but this time after getting the job done. It was a cool moment to see the culture change. Thanks for all you guys do. Keep up the, the good work. Fight on, Hector. Yeah, it, it, this, is, this is one of those things where it, it's amazing how things, how winning perception. cures <laughs> yeah. so many things. Uh, the perception of you know guys smiling on the sidelines, people waving towels, um, anything. You do anything when you're winning, people love it. Yeah, those towel waiver guys on the sidelines are not would not be well. They aren't welcome by a lot of USC fans. Yeah, but but they'd be even more of a you know people point. people weren't happy with like walk ons waving towels and the clay out yeah. there, right? Yeah. Like, um, it's one of those things when when you're winning, you can get away with a lot of things, and it just everything just seems more fun, right? Yes. Um, one thing I do, I I think that I very much noticed is, you know, UCLA was publicly talking a lot of trash early in early in the week and it was notable that usc wasn't sort of the the guys from usc weren't taking the bait they were sort of staying uh within the lines and and sort of not uh bringing up that kind of stuff um but like after the game it was very clear that usc heard everything yeah caleb williams mentioned it well, Brett Nealon was was talking, telling them, calling them teddy bears. Yeah. Um, I think it was Solomon Bird jumped on Twitter after the game to like like say something about like you know go back to your you know, go go back home you know sissy sissy Bruins or something like that. Like it was like it was like full blown like trash talk after the game um, from U- from the USC side, and it was like it was just sort of that proof that. USC heard everything. They internalized everything. All of that, that uh, the um, bulletin board material that we had talked about going into the game, that was something that USC held on to, but they didn't take the bait until after they got the win. Caleb Williams didn't show that burst of emotions until after he got the first down that sealed the win. Yeah. Um, we didn't see guys. Uh, I mean, he, he did have FUCLA written on his on his fingernails. Yes, that is. But but he's he's done that. You know, yeah, every he, game he's done that too. But like in terms of just the way that they were out there on the field, you could sort of see that um, they very much approached the game in a professional manner. Yeah, and once they got it done, you saw that emotional passionate sort of outburst from everybody include like i think i saw some one of the beat writers say that like i did not expect this from brett nealon <laughs> like of all the people yeah. to be tra- talking trash after the game it wasn't brett nealon so like it clearly got to them I, it got to the team you know I, we, we talked about before ucla was talking a lot of trash but like they also won the game last year like yeah, you're yeah. you're you're allowed to do that and then Next year, SC will be allowed to talk all the trash that they want. And next year, the UCLA players are going to be able to say, like, you know, we heard all of their trash talking after last year's game, and we took it personally. Like, right. that's the way that rivalries work. So, yeah, um, it's fun. Uh, we got an email from Andy who says, Greetings, Michael and Alicia. I agree with Michael regarding wanting SC to play a good UCLA team. My opinion, I want SC to play the best all year long. My dad, class of 58, used to say we want everyone to play to win until they play us. Then keep winning after they lose. That yes. gives us the strength schedule and beating the best competition. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Best Andy. Yes. Thoroughly, thoroughly agree. That's that's what you want. That's how you get into the playoffs. You know what SC wants right now? SC really wishes that Fresno State was the uh, the best group of five team. Yes. And that Rice was like number two of mm-hmm. the group of five teams. But yeah. uh, not the case. But. You, you want that with everybody, not just UCLA, with, with literally everybody. This past, it's a good thing that Oregon State keeps winning. Yes. Well, this past weekend, um, I was looking at Notre Dame saying, man, get you know, don't screw this up against Boston College. USC you're, needs you to you're, win. You're all modern. My, the, the, you know, affiliated school of my high school. You're alma mater. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the... Uh, Oregon State, watching them, needing them to keep winning. Like, I've been watching Washington State this whole season, like, wishing that they would play up to their level week in and week out because I, I think that's a good team, and I don't think that team gets a lot of credit um, because they've stumbled where they've stumbled. But, like, that's yeah. what you should be looking for is 
everybody that you beat, you want them to then, you don't want them to collapse. You want them to be good. You want, like, I'm going into this week wanting UCLA to beat Cal because I don't want them to fall apart because that's ultimately bad for what that you, means for you. You don't want SC to play Washington? Well, that would be funny, but uh, yeah, no, I, I want Yeah, I want if, if you're, uh, if, if you're wondering if SC SC can play Washington, but they need Cal to beat UCLA. Yeah. Uh, so um, in, in like one part of the type, they Washington needs like everything now. These all these things to to happen. Yeah. But uh, so Kenny in the chat said, "I'm I'm of two minds. It's fun when the UCLA game has these stakes, but it's also so much more fun of so much fun when they lose a lot. That's where I'm at though. Is that like if you're gonna lose? lose every single game and then it's really funny what i hate is teams like notre dame where it's like they lost the first you know three or four or whatever it was or like they look like they were just a dumpster fire and then it turned out like they were okay but then they lost to stanford so like instead of being a top right. 10 notre dame team they're like a weirdly middling like top 20 notre but, dame like, team what is this team yeah it's yeah. like uh, or like washington state is like a not ranked but good team like i'd rather you just lose every game or win every game like don't don't you know piddle fart around or anything like that all right let's get into the questions we got here on youtube we're going to rapid fire these things uh cameron says with caleb's exceptional performance against ucla does this game and the last two games of the season remind you of Carson Palmer's Heisman run in 2002? Yes. And I think that, you know, it could be punctuated by the game against Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. The difference being he's got another one against Oregon. Mm -hmm. That's going to be super helpful. Uh, winning on the biggest platforms, performing on the biggest platforms, that's how you win the Heisman. So these next two games are Caleb Williams, Heisman, uh, candidacy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kenny says, remember when USC beat UCLA and got their 10th win of the season, clinched the Mac 12 and made Caleb Williams the Heisman front winner? Would you agree that was awesome? That was awesome, Kenny. Yes, I would agree. All right. Uh, next one. Let's go to uh, a message from Adam Panoy. What's your favorite one design and timing of the TV TD pass to Jordan Addison out of the backfield? Uh, two, Barlow lowering his shoulder for the TD or three, Ford being a grown ass man on his TD catch. That touchdown pass to Addison was just gorgeous. Like just everything about it was just gorgeous. I loved it. I loved that design because it put him on a it put a tight end on him. Yes, you're never gonna cover a Bolitnikov winner with a tight end. No, with a with a linebacker. Well, you know, yeah. Sorry, with the, the tight. What am I talking <laughs> about? A linebacker. Yes. Yeah. Um. We're gonna get a question from uh, Ramamurti. Can we see this success leading to a top 10 recruiting class and more portal transfers? We always say that recruiting doesn't necessarily like they're not looking at the the wins and losses or anything like that. But having a US not the individual not ones. the individual yeah. wins and losses, but having a successful season invites recruits to buy into your program that much more and yeah. recruits are recruiting class recruits and transfer portal recruits. So Yes, I do think that uh, that that this successful season can help USC in uh, in recruiting on across all fronts. Um, we'll move on to a question from Randy. What do you think? What did you think of Lincoln Riley after the game was over? It seemed to me the magnitude of the USC UCLA rivalry finally hit him. I agree, Randy. Like his reaction to it was kind of surprising to me. We haven't seen him. He was fired up. He yeah. was fired up as all hell. I don't know that it finally hit him. As much as in that was finally the moment, like SC has played a lot of games outside of the Utah game that have not necessarily been felt overly exciting. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of stakes. Meaningful game of the season. It's the most meaningful game. Mm -hmm. uh, sell out at the Rose Bowl, the whole <laughs> bit, right? Like, like we look forward to that game for a long time for a reason, and it backed up everything it was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we got another question from uh, Cigar. Do one and four play in the Peach Bowl while two and three play in the Fiesta? Anyone know? So it, it goes on whoever is number one. So if number one is Georgia, um, then yeah, it would be they would play in the Peach Bowl. Um, if number two is, uh, if Georgia's number two, then Ohio State would play in the Peach Bowl because it's closer to them. If USC was number one, they'd play the Fiesta because it's closer 
like yes right? like it right but the the difference being that they also don't want the inverse to happen so like for instance um let's say the rose bowl was in there you wouldn't want the number four team to be sc and the game be at the rose, rose bowl, bowl yeah because then it would give sc an unfair advantage like yeah. it's they're supposed to be relatively as fair as the, as they can be in terms of location yeah okay um yeah it's it's that's stuff that we'll figure out as the as the season goes on oh we got a question from kenny why does it feel like this year fans are being treated like players i feel i've never seen so many people say just focus on the game to fans i'm not playing i'm planning for vegas (laughs) yeah kenny i i agree um i think it's just the way that fans interact with each other too like people are never going to be happy one way or the other yeah there's there's always something yeah all right, we got a question from the underdogs. Uh, do you think all the, the underdoge? High, the underdoge, yeah. Huh. I, I need to read properly. Uh, do you all? Uh, do you think all the Heisman talk will cloud Caleb's mind for this Saturday? I hope not. He's too cool of a customer, I think, to let it get to him. I I don't I don't think that. Um, I think that if he was going to get uh, uh, tight sphinctered, I think we'd already seen it. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> Um, we got a question from Eric. Is there a performance breakdown when Caleb wears black leggings, yellow leggings, or no leggings? He appears very even keel and focused with the no leggings look. You pay attention to these things, Michael. Um, I don't know. I think we need to go back and like look at each game, break it down a little bit. Yeah. I would be down to the the black leggings. I would be down to do this personally. Like I I am willing to to give some splits on the the leggings, but give us time. We'll see. Uh, if we do that uh we got another qu- question from kenny how much did you love gus johnson calling the game michael it was good i i, I thought uh gus and um joel Klatt, i think call a very good game gus is amazing that said if you work in the usc athletic department Please. and if you are managing the social media accounts Please. or the video or anything can we just hear Pete Arbogast, please? I swear. To Where you. are the Pete, Arbog- Pete Arbogast calls? Like, I where swear are they? on all that is holy. Why does USC act like Pete Arbogast does not exist? I, I, don't, I don't understand because when you're at the game, well, I haven't been to a game this year. We've talked about this before. It, you Like, it would be, they would show the, the highlight with Pete immediately, like, 30 seconds after the, yeah, the touchdown. Yeah, on the big boards. Yeah. Why can't they do that Why and don't just tweet you, it out? Yeah, you should have them all. You should have... I have been... I have been... Two things I've been jonesing for over the last couple of days. Number one, just a highlight package with Pete Arbogast calls. Yeah, That's I want to know want. what the... What, what did the Corey Foreman... Yeah, I want to know what it sounded sounds like. like. Yeah. And number two, which is sort of related, like, can somebody just bring back Trojan Rewind Trojan Rewind would solve this entire problem. Just give us I, Trojan Rewind back. It, it's embarrassing how many Trojan Rewind episodes I watch on YouTube. They're amazing. Like they're, they're so good. They're amazing. Bring them back. They can't be that hard to produce. Get two interns with cameras, one on each side of the of the end zone. Have them film the thing. Go cut it up. Like it should be this. It should be easy. It should not be difficult to produce this show. Like have the rights to the audio. Yeah. Just ah. Uh, Okay, Randy asks, uh, USC has not put a complete four-quarter game together yet this year. Do you think we'll see one before the season is over? Um, you want my hot take? What's your hot take? No, I don't think so. Uh, is, that, is that a hot take? Um, um, and is it? Uh, this team seems to start slowly in the first quarter recently. Um, I think that... Um, what I've sort of been saying is that I think this this team can be prone to to mishaps, and that's why you're not going to get a complete four quarter game. We were that talking about mean before. That you can't win games. Not it, doing it, that. except what this team is, right? Yeah, this team might not be a full sixty minute team. Yeah, how many of those exist in college if, football if this they, year? If they were, they would be the runaway number one team in the country. Right, and how many of those exist this year? None. Because even Georgia's not that. Yes, um, Georgia can be when they want to be. Yeah, for sure, but. They're, they're not always. Yeah. All right. We got a question from Kenny. Uh, has a team ever allowed 45 points while allowing four turnovers? Kenny, I want to be able to answer this question for you so badly. 
This is a call to, it, to sports reference. I imagine the answer is yes. Sports reference in the <laughs> NFL, I could pull up with my subscription. I could pull up exactly the answer to you for that on the NFL. The stat head doesn't work for the They college. don't have college football stat head the way that the, the, to the extent that they have for NFL. So I cannot answer that question for you, but I want to. Come on, stat head. Get your crap together. Um, Randy asks, um, I think after this recruiting cycle and the transfer portal in year two, we'll have a much improved defense. What say you? Absolutely. I think that um, USC will be able to continue to recruit guys, continue to transfer portal guys, and uh, the defense will get better. Yeah. it. Give it, give it, give it a bit of time. Uh, absolutely. I, I will say about Grinch, too. Um, he uh, Give him some time, but also... Was he not a little validated with the whole like dropping the ends uh, in the in the zone coverage? As I tweeted, like I still cannot get over the fact that Corey Foreman dropping into coverage yeah. won USC and this game. All of SC's interceptions were because DTR couldn't read the zone. Yeah, zone coverage—that's Grinch's thing. So yeah. Yeah. It, it worked. All right. Speaking of Grinch, uh, Kenny asks: Was Grinch's defense choosing one thing to stop, i.e., Charbonnet, uh, and uh, or and ironic? an ironic own on Clancy um, or not. I think they were dropping into zone and asking and asking DTR to beat them, which, which I think you should have done once he got hurt, right? Force, force the hurt guy to beat you. Yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, if I was a UCLA fan, like I would absolutely love DTR, but like, dude, you cannot, you cannot play that way and expect to win games. Yeah. Um, Hurting yourself like that made it harder for you to win. Like so, going headfirst into those tackles and stuff made it harder for you to win that game. I appreciate, as a college football fan, I appreciate a player who is willing to sacrifice himself and put him out there to make crazy blocks and yeah. throw his body out there and you put his body out. I, I appreciate that. But his blocks were so emphatic to the point that, like, he was asking himself to sort of get hurt. Yes. And I'm like, I, you gotta be, you gotta be careful. Cause I just wince every time I see a quarterback do anything. I just have PTSD of 1999, September of 1999 at Autzen stadium and Carson Palmer going down the sideline and dropping his shoulder and trying to take on a dude. I, I get it. I respect it, but also like trying to avoid contact. Especially on some of those runs that he had, like you didn't need to put your body on the line that way. It wasn't a Jake Hayner situation. You didn't need like you, you you didn't need to do that. But um, last question from Kenny, when you're playing blackjack before the Pac-12 title game, your hand total is 16 and the dealer is showing seven. Do you hit or stay? Uh, I don't know anything about blackjack. Don't know how it works. Uh, To me, you stay. So sure. I'd hit, I guess. I don't know. You stay. Um, last two questions, kind of off topic, but still we're going to do them. Both from Rama Murdy. Rama Murdy. Did Jesse make the road trip or is she at home being taken care of while you're on your trip? Jesse is currently at home. Yes. Uh, with, with a family friend who is watching her. Yes. We have gotten several photos of her looking extremely cute. Yes. And, and videos of her looking very adorable. Um, we miss her dearly. Yes. Um, I, I, I don't want to play the audio of this, but uh, here's a video of Jesse <laughs> yeah, for lo- the, looking for absolutely the, adorable while our friendly friend works Yeah, right next to her. So. Yeah, uh, pawing at her, whining, making strange noises because our dog decides. Look, look at this. Literally putting her ma on the laptop like, yes. can you stop working and please pet me? Yes. <laughs> That's Jesse. Uh, Rama also asks, uh, will Thanksgiving dinner have stacked lasagnas? I do not think lasagna is on the menu for Thanksgiving, but if it is, we will let you know. Yeah, I, I, I don't think it will be, but we can always do that. We can have it for Black Friday, maybe. There you go. Black Friday. U- U.S. and, USA, and England. England. Celebrate yep. with lasagna. That's American. American is apple pie. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> feel like it would have been funny if you said american as as a cannoli. shepherd's pie or something like that <laughs> i don't know um yeah uh last question cigar says <laughs> the castillo's coming to vegas uh no probably not oh i wish 
We, we wish. We wish, but probably not. So. All right. This is going to wrap up this episode. Thanks, as always, for sticking it with us here on YouTube. Uh, and if you're subscribed, uh, thank you. If you're not, please subscribe. Like the video, the stream, as always. Uh, if you're with us over on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Helps grow the show. Subscribe. And we'll be back uh, on Wednesday night with a preview of USC and Notre Dame. Until then, we'll see you. See you. See you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.